Well, welcome to episode one of Christianity 101 podcast. I'm Turner, and I'm with Rosie, as always. Rosie, how are you? Hey, what's up? <laughs> this is exciting. This is our first episode to Christianity 101. If you're tuning in, you should have already listened to the intro episode that I had placed on, on all the pod feeders a little while ago. So you should have your Bible open, and you should have your Instagram account open on your phone. <laughs> and if you're... Do- uh, uh, I cringe. I know like you Like physically cringe. with us telling anyone to open up also Instagram, <laughs> but all out for the course of this, yes. for the sake of this. Look, I'm using the tools that are given to us for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the whole reason we have Instagram, if you haven't listened to the, to the intro, is because if you go to Christiana 101 podcast Instagram account, we have episode one, as a as an a uh, um, post a post, thank you. <laughs> and there are pictures in that post that will help you to have visual. There's slides. There's yeah. slides. Yeah, we did slides for this entire uh, this entire process. So, anyways, let's jump into this. Um, we call this episode one the decision, and uh, what I want to say about this is that there are a lot of ways that people come to know God. There are many routes that people come to go know God, um, but there's only one way to God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me explain that. Yeah. Uh, you may have been raised in a Christian home, and so you were told about you know faith in God through your family, through your parents, through faithful family, and you know maybe you had a friend that became a Christian, and you were friends with them, and they shared the truth with you, and so you became a Christian that way. Uh, maybe. Uh, it came through a podcast like All Out War or uh, another one that uh, might have shared the truth. And so it piqued your interest and caused you to go deeper. Or maybe like me, you were just reading the Bible and the words jumped off the page and spoke to you and led you to a deeper, real understanding of who God was and uh, a, a true salvation experience. But I just want to say that no matter the route that you came to hear and believe the gospel, there's only one way to get there. And we need to be clear that there's only one way to get to heaven, and Jesus is the way that God has provided for us. And each person needs to make a decision to accept or reject God's plan of salvation that is offered to him or to her. And so I wanted to start off with that very important, and that's why we do call this the decision, because it's the decision to accept or reject. And I have a a, a passage of scripture that I'm going to read out of John chapter 3. And maybe we could just stop that right there. Please. Because there is an, an important point. Um, anyone who has listened to the podcast, the All at War podcast, and are now coming here, I'm just going to say they know that we're not Calvinists because right. there's an important point in there. And <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming that there's no Calvinist that is listening to this podcast. Um, They're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, but... That will bother them that I said that. Yes. Yeah. So, much in the same way that you you had said that there's a route that, you know, people can get here, and then you have to decide to go down the street. You know, you right. can get to the road, but you got to make the decision to go to off the road. Or, Correct. Whatever. Down um, the But I, I think it's important, because this is going to bring up a lot of other stuff down the implications of this that you can, we are, God gives us the decision to accept or we can reject it. So 
I just think that's important. Like what, um, so that's where free will would come into play, right? Correct. Like, yeah. so someone, how would you go into talking about what it could look like with a, a person rejecting God or w- what could be a circumstance that someone could come to that you can think of, you know, cause you gave these examples of like how someone could come to the knowledge. Right. So someone could, what would it, what would rejecting it look like? So I think uh, various ways, obviously. Yeah. So maybe a bad or a poor presentation of the truth mm-hmm. in the gospel um, or a bad example from maybe you had family that were Christians, but they were really unloving and judgmental. And maybe they pushed you away from wanting to be that. Um, uh, maybe it's the type of thing where you've dove into other belief systems and worldviews and you've adopted into your mind and your understanding of maybe New Age or Gnostic or even religious elements that are not going to save you. Mm. Um, there are religious systems in place that um, that are esteemed, but they will not save you. And so <clears throat> there's a lot of different ways that someone can come to that place, you know. Yeah. And um, so some of it's just not clear understanding. Some of it's you're pushed away by the bad taste in your mouth, and some of it is um, uh, an in a, a poor presentation. So... Yeah, so that, that, that's kind of, again, what this whole... Or false teaching, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's. I just wanted to give kind of examples of uh, that so that people can contrast ideas that they may have in the head with what we're going to present, which is, we always say, little o, orthodox Christianity. Yeah. This is very plain. <laughs> there, you know, there's not, uh, yeah. in the sense of, like, this is just what Scripture says... This is nothing terribly crazy um, in terms of, like, we're not going to be talking about aliens. Or, you know, right, there's, right. Some, there's some <laughs> crazy stuff about it. It's very plain, simple Christianity and what it – we're just getting down to that. So yeah. it's important to – and not to say that, uh, that if someone phrases things differently or, you know, we're not calling out just because someone doesn't present – this truth in the exact same way, but it isn't heresy doesn't mean that like, uh, I'm just worried about someone listening and going, Oh, well, how do I know if I've had a false presentation of the gospel? Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll help clear that up a little bit Sure. because we're going to use the Bible to be our source text, you know, Mm -hmm. our source material for all of this. I, I, I I would also say too, that we may do future Christianity 201, Christianity 301, which will dive into some of those things like free will Mm -hmm. and the sovereignty of God and things that maybe you're not even thinking about right now as a interest, like as an exploring, maybe you're listening to this exploring faith for the first time and you just want to hear some information and make a decision. Uh, Maybe you're new into it, but you don't know where to start. And so this might be arming you with some information as well. Um, And um, so we, we will go into deeper things later on. But this one right now yeah. is going to be a. So I said it was about a decision, mm-hmm. and it's great what you brought up. You know, I really appreciate that. Uh, what is a bad idea? You know, yeah. but this is a conversation in John chapter three between Jesus and a Pharisee, and it's a conversation about that decision. And so I'm going to read the first eight verses of John chapter three, and um, and then we'll jump into some points that I want to make about that. 
In John chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So we'll stop there. There's more I'm going to read in a few minutes. But just to give a little bit of background about this, because we are jumping in in the third chapter of John. Incidentally, the book of John is the fourth gospel of the New Testament. The Bible is broken up into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament starts off with four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those books are the accounts of Jesus' life. And so you, when you read them, there are many overlapping stories that will parallel each other. And you can get in the best way I can describe the four gospels is four people watching a football game and you, they, one play happens and they all see it from a different view. They all saw the same play. They all know the end result, but they all saw different aspects. One guy was watching the running back. One guy was watching the quarterback. One guy was watching the defender. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you have a different view from the same, same play. Maybe, uh, maybe I don't want to hear different view or just just for some general uh, de- definitions. When we say view, that's a great example, is you could also say perspective of like what they're focusing on. Correct. Because the facts don't differ. Correct. And that's important to say that the facts don't differ throughout the Gospels just because – so everything aligns with one another. It's just uh, – and this would be where you can hop in um, that each of those gospel writers had a different people group that they were trying to write to, Mm -hmm. to explain um, the life of Jesus, what he did, his ministry. And along with that, if um, to use a football analogy, if I'm hanging out with a bunch of friends and we're all quarterbacks or something, and I'm trying to say why, uh, I don't know, Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback, then we're going to watch all his plays. And I'm going to say, well, look at what he did right there. Right. He did this. And look at look at his step back. Look at his field of view. And I'm going to be focusing in on that, not because anything else is more important or less important of the play itself. It's because my audience, I'm trying to tell you why this quarterback is the best. Yeah. So I'm going to focus on things that have to do with the quarterback. So just right. – that, that's what I'm so there are slightly different things. They focus on different events. Some of the gospels have events that are recorded that are not in the other ones. Correct. And they're written in different ways. Uh, they focus on, um, you know, ones if one is to the Greeks, they have a whole different mindset. 
Correct. They have a different way of even things that are important to them. Right. And so those are going to be stressed in letters to the Greeks. Letters to the Jews, those are going to be focused on a totally different aspect of what is... The life of Jesus. Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that it's not a different view, so to speak. It is. Yeah. I just wanted to break that and right. be no, more specific. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So like, for instance, Matthew's gospel, the first one was actually with a focus of the Jews. And uh, so a lot of the things that Matthew will highlight in the story would be the things that would be important to a Jewish person reading the gospel of Matthew. And so they would they would speak to that. They would know what he's talking about. There's you know, so the Gospel of John is actually kind of focused towards Gentiles, and so a majority of the world is Gentile. <laughs> so this is a great gospel, and that's why many people tell people when they become Christians that they should start by reading the Gospel of John, because it's actually the easiest to understand. And so I think this section we just read in John chapter three verses one through eight describe that perfectly. Um, he says to Nicodemus, so Nicodemus is, uh, let's go a little bit of background, back history. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and he's on the Jewish ruling council, and uh, he comes to Jesus at nighttime, which is interesting to make note of, and he asks Jesus, uh, or he makes, he gives him like a, he warms him up a little bit, and um, he says to him, you know, uh, no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him, you know, and he calls him rabbi, which means teacher. I think it's important to understand that um, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, for he had a three-year ministry, and in that three years, you could, it's, you could easily break it down into um, an, an introductory year, a year of ministry and popularity, and then the last year would be a year of of resistance and rejection. And so when we find ourselves here in John chapter 3, it's kind of in the section where Jesus is beginning his popularity. So that's why the Pharisees are interested in him, because he's a man of God, quote unquote. He's having a huge effect on people. Everywhere he goes, there's large crowds following him. And obviously he's doing things that no one else is able to do. He's healing the sick and raising the dead and walking on water and feeding thousands of people. And so his notoriety is beginning to expand, and um, a good Pharisee and a good you know, Sadducee or one of the religious rulers would have known and understood that there are prophecies in the Old Testament that would relate to the coming of the Messiah, the first coming of Jesus. Not knowing it would be Jesus, but knowing that the Messiah was going to come and that these would be the markers that they would be able to identify the Messiah or you know the Messiah as. And so I think Nicodemus is beginning to see these things and I think in his mind he's putting two and two together. And so he comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness out of secrecy. He doesn't want it to be public. Now what's really interesting is we can look down on Nicodemus and say, well doesn't he have any faith? Doesn't he have like isn't he brave? Does it like why does he really care so much? Maybe in this instance, yeah. But we will find that Nicodemus will show up again in the at the end of of the gospel when Jesus has hung on the cross and he's died. He's been crucified. Nicodemus will retrieve the body of Jesus to take it to be prepared and put in the tomb for that it will, will stay in for three days before he raises from the dead. So Nicodemus shows himself to be faithful and a follower of God, you know, a follower of Jesus ultimately. And I think this is the conversation that's going to seal it for Nicodemus. 
And if you're on the fence, I hope it seals it for you as well. But he says to him, I know you came from God because you have all these miraculous signs that only God can do. And Jesus doesn't even acknowledge the compliment. (laughs) He just says to him, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And so Nicodemus comes back at him, and I think this is showing his heart even a little bit more because he kind of is sarcastic because he says, how can a man be born when he's old? And he says, surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. So he's like, how can I like, how can you be born twice is the question, but he's sarcastic about it. What am I supposed to do? Find my mom and climb back up in her womb? Like, yeah. like who's going to do that? <laughs> and then Jesus answers him. And this is the poignancy of that I love of, of Jesus. He just gets right to the point. Like everything about this conversation, Jesus is on point. He's not deviating at all. And he just says to him in verse five, he says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and spirit. Now, I do want to make a note to you. John chapter three, verse three is the verse that I read that led me to surrender my life to Jesus. It said, unless you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And I didn't know if I was born again or not. And so I was convicted and my heart was kind of like torn. I don't know how to describe it. It was like a weight. And so I called my friend on the phone and I asked her if I was born again. Right. <laughs> and she said, we can pray. We can pray right now. And so we prayed together on the phone. And I think my fear of God and all of that was was preceding my knowledge that mm-hmm. I needed to be born again. And I think that that was leading me to that place to where I just said, yeah, I want this. I made that decision that I wanted to be born again. I wanted that that work of God in my life. And Nicodemus is being placed in that same place. And he says here, he says, God, Jesus says to him, I tell him the truth, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven and, or kingdom of God unless you are born of water and spirit. And so that's the first thing. And then the second thing he says is that flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying this. You must be born again. And then he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases, and you hear it, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And so there's two things here that he says that are important for us to understand. And I want to kind of break these down for us. One is that he says to him in verse 3 that no one can see the kingdom unless he's born again. And then in verse 5, he says, no one can enter the kingdom unless he's born of water and spirit. So let's, let's. Um, you made a great point when we were talking mm-hmm. earlier, because we talked about seeing the kingdom. And I think a lot of people sometimes, they just, uh, they've gone, uh, in the last couple years in particular, starting in like really 2020, when when everything happened with the worldwide pandemic, and then things started to happen around us that were just not normal, mm-hmm. I think people were stirred to begin to see things that they had never seen before. And they were what we call waking up. And it was like this natural waking up of what's happening in the world that we had been kind of veiled from uh, before. But it's not a spiritual thing. I don't think it's really a spiritual thing. It could be a spiritual thing, I suppose. It could be part of a spiritual thing. You mean waking up to stuff around? Yeah, just the evil around you, sure. and like I, I think it's a spiritual thing. <laughs> it it did feel spiritual to me, <clears throat> um, so maybe I'm wrong in saying that. But this is a deeper 
seeing of the kingdom. It's it's a veil being lifted off the eyes of an individual, um, and they're seeing God for the first time. And when I say seeing God, not like a visual, like I'm seeing you sit across the table from me. It's a spiritual. Um, it's a spiritual sight. Yeah, and uh, the reason uh, bringing up the point about being awakened to evil or the stuff happening around much in the same way of uh, the difference between seeing the kingdom and then entering into the kingdom is, and this is why I would say it's spiritual. And it is a kind of veil that gets lifted. So if you're new to, I don't don't know the proper term anymore, to conspiracy culture or what, you know, (laughs) all that encompasses. Truthers. (laughs) Truthers, whatever you call yourself. Yeah. If you can think back to um, when all of a sudden you became aware of all this additional stuff, when you really think about it, though, there isn't anything new that you're seeing. Like, you're still seeing the event happen, except all of a sudden now you're like, there's some context to it. Yeah, motive. There's motive, and you're hearing something... A thousand times, you know, I, I'm trying to think of some example like New World Order. Right. And maybe that specific term you've heard, you know, Bush Sr.'s talking a thousand points of light, you right. know, a New World Order, all this right. kind of stuff. Yeah. And it can get dropped in. But now all of a sudden, you know, you have some context you, you and you hear something and it's different. And you're like, oh, I know what they mean by that because of all this other stuff. That's kind of how I envision, uh, well, that's like a lesser extent to being born again. Like yeah. it, it, that, that's not, because I, I think when you're a Christian, you get born again, you can see things that, uh, and, and I'm not very charismatic, so I'm trying to be cautious here, but you become aware of more than just like, oh, this is really weird. Why are they, or these are some really weird connections or all the politicians are getting money from, this particular pharmaceutical company or, you know, you know something right. like that. But when you're born again as a Christian, you know, you get access to, you see the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can feel things. You can feel the presence of God. You know, like yeah. there's it, there, it's so much deeper. Yeah. And it's much in the same way of like uh, you're awoken or whatever and you, I love the example you, you give sometimes where you're like, I can't watch a movie anymore without seeing like <laughs> right. the black and white checkerboard or, you know, this symbol or the these number right. that, you know, whatever. It's yeah. kind of ruined seeing things like that for you. That's kind of like how, uh, you, you know, there's, it's that, but like a thousand percent on every aspect of your life when right. you become Christian. It's undeniable. And the point... The, and the, and, and it's, it, it goes deeper because it's not even just the outward. Yeah, it's... It's inward. Right, You begin exactly. to know yourself in a way you never knew yourself before. Right. Like a depth. It's like this. Um, it's called being born again, yeah. right? Well, let's use birth as an example. In fact, that's the example <laughs> Jesus uses yeah. here. So, But when a baby sits in the womb for nine months and it's in this environment, it's incubated, it's growing it's but it's not in reality it's not in its final like in what it's being made for Mm. and when a person's born again it's like you're going through that birth process and now you're in the world 
And right. now, you know, and so it can be frightening. You might scream. Mm-hmm. You might need to be spanked a little bit. Yeah. You might need to get, you know, um, you know, hugged by your, your your mom for a minute. <laughs> I, st- I still need that from time to time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, um, it's a beautiful process, right? But that that's what I'm kind of thinking of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Jesus was thinking of, too. Because when he says you cannot see the kingdom of, of unless you're born again, he also says you cannot enter unless you're born of water and spirit. Mm-hmm. That water is symbolic of natural birth. So man is, you know, what happens when a woman goes into labor and is going to give a baby? The the big sign is, you know, every movie you watch is the water breaks, mm-hmm. right? And so being born of the flesh, a natural birth, is being born of water. Water is a symbol of earth, right? And so it's this natural birth. Everyone is born of the water, everyone. Everyone who's alive had a mom who gave birth, right? Yeah. <laughs> they did. Even the Nephilim, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the difference. the You're not born of the spirit yet. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. So water and spirit. And so you're you have to you have to be born natural before you can be supernatural born. And so it has to be a process that happens that goes through. And so that's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you know. And Nicodemus doesn't quite get it because mm-hmm. he's like, what do I climb back up into my mom's womb a second time? So he's kind of getting it, but he doesn't fully get it what Jesus is saying to him. Yeah, and uh, if I can just go off on a little bit, I think there's some interesting points in uh, just in verse 5 where he says, the Spirit. And the Spirit, if you're in your book, in anyone's Bible, that S should be capitalized. Correct. Because Jesus is not. And so here's where we're going to kind of lay down some foundational things. Yes. When Jesus is saying water and the Spirit, he does not just mean some ethereal spirit, right. some force, force, yeah. some, some impersonal thing. That it, there is a capital S. He is talking about a specific. I don't want to say entity. It's a. It's a. It's a member of the Trinity. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Correct. Who is the one that comes, gives it, life. Yeah, it gives life. So at creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mean to inter- no, interrupt. No, go ahead, go ahead. At creation, when God makes Adam, and we're going to go back into Genesis in a second too because we're going to talk about how it all fell apart. Mm-hmm. But when God made Adam, he formed him out of the dust and he put him together and he gave him all of his features. And it says that he breathed into him the breath of life. Pneuma is what it's called, the pneuma. It's the same in the Septuagint in the New Testament. When we read the Greek, it's the same word. It's yeah. that pneuma and it's the breath of God. So the breath of God breathes into an individual who's been born of the water. So you're born of the flesh, you're naturally born. And the pneuma, the spirit of God, breathes into a person. And they are now a new creation, a new life. They're born again. They're now born of the spirit. And that's the waking, the real waking up mm-hmm. of a of an individual. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to point out that because um, I want to hit on a couple Things before we proceed and get too far away from this idea of what it means to be born again of the spirit. Yeah. So I'm going to contrast what we're talking about. This is so something that you may have heard someone say. Um, I'm going to just call out some specific other beliefs that are not what we're talking about. Okay. That you may have heard the listener I've heard this. I've heard these pe- people talking about this, and they may claim this to be Christianity. 
Um, it's not. So what is, I'm just going to pick, uh, I'm just picking three different things. Gnosticism. So this is incorrect. This is heresy. This is not what Jesus is talking about. Right. So the Gnostics believe that being, uh, I'm trying to find this quote, that being born again is you become a child, a child of choice and knowledge. Okay. Right. And this is specifically tied into, so you may hear that and you're like, okay, you know, I don't really know what that means, but it kind of aligns with, I can see what he's talking about. That comes from a book called Adam, Eve and the serpent. (laughs) And when Gnostics say stuff like that, when they're talking about knowledge and choice, that is directly tied into how you become more born again or deeper spiritually is through a knowledge. And that is all tied into the serpent in the garden offering Adam and Eve, you know, the choice. I'm not going to get too much into that. But for the listener, the word Gnostic comes from the word where we get our word knowledge, right? It's Gnostic and it's the Greek word uh, for gnosis, which is to know. Yeah. And I just wanted to point this other one. So it says, I'm just going to read this quote. In Gnostic Christianity, Jesus' words, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's from a different translation. Yeah. Meant that unless one's reasoning, mind, or flesh is born anew in Christ consciousness, <laughs> he cannot comprehend the possibility of a kingdom here on earth. Born from above is another ver- version that Gnostics use, and I've seen this as well. Yeah, yeah. It says, infers that the reasoning mind must be elevated to the same level of that of God. Impossible. So ever, if you ever, yes, we <laughs> cannot ever reach that. It, this born again, there's no levels to it. You're born. Right. You're born, you're dead. And there's, so, yes, you're born, you're brought in, you go from death into life. So now you're you're alive. The next process is is something that we will get into later on mm-hmm. and a little bit at the end here, and that'll be what we call the sanctification, right. which is now becoming more obedient to God and pleasing God with your life. Yeah. And sanctified means just to be set apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about Nost, that, that what's so dangerous about that is it's, it's the old new age. Mm-hmm. You know, I call it the old new age because yeah. it's nothing new about it, but the new age loves these Christ consciousness idea. And and because of that, um, there is not anything attached to that about changing your life. Right. Which is what we're going to find out here is that there is a something that happens in an individual's life once they are born again. Right. And another thing that I wanted to point out that this is, this, this is some nuance. So this, you know, you can look into this more if this doesn't really make sense because we're trying to lay basics down. But it's very easy for someone to say, because we talked about a decision. The whole podcast, is this episode is called The Decision. Mm-hmm. We talked about the decision to be born again, to follow Christ. You're making that decision. Gnostics believe that are making it, that we can contribute to that higher elevation of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's a very key thing. This is all done through the Holy Spirit. Right. There's no a, no effort on your part, no right. work on your part. After you make, we make the decision, the Holy Spirit comes inside and does the work. Yeah. It's as if someone's extending a gift to you and you simply receive it 
or you reject it. Yeah. Receiving it is not work. You're just receiving it. Right. And that's what we're, that's the decision is to receive or reject the, the free gift, right? Yeah. 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 It, it's like uh, if we're in our mom's womb, we can't. Yeah, you can't stop we, it. We can't stop it. We can't. <laughs> We can't just some all babies of a sudden, try. Yeah. <laughs> they get breached and they get all tied up in there, and but, or we can't do anything to make us come out at six months, right? You know, like uh, the baby is not thinking, "Oh, maybe if I try really hard, I'll be able to get yeah. out of here earlier." You know, <laughs> that's what they equate it to. So, anytime you hear of someone talking about a person being able to elevate themselves or save themselves or that, that is not Christian. Yeah, that is heresy. Throw that person away, rebuke them. Correct. Send them this podcast. Now, before you go into the next one okay. that you're going to, because I know what you're going to bring up next, okay. I want to I want to bring up this sure. this next little thing that I yeah. need to say. So, um, you brought up a great point about this whole Gnostic, you know, um, idea, and it it doesn't require anything, um, any life change. You just you just get the Christ consciousness, and you work into that, and and you'll become God eventually. That's like the whole idea, um, and and hidden in there too is that uh, it's just waiting for you, and it's pick, right. it's picked you out of the lineup, you know, like uh, so it's like this kind of secret, mm-hmm. uh, handpicked, which is uh, this predestined, you know, kind of idea. We need to understand that the reason you need to be born again and born of the spirit is because you're dead. <laughs> you're dead and your spirit is not alive. Mm-hmm. If you were alive, it it would be very different. Now, some people in the new age feel like that they're spiritually alive, but they're not. Right. They're actually deceived and it's a, it's probably an emotional thing. There is some spiritual um, there is some spiritual um, reality to it because there are demons involved and demons can masquerade as something that is true and feel and they know exactly how to mimic God because they've been around since the earliest of creation. They know how to mimic the mm-hmm. things of God. And so you might feel like you're spiritually alive, but you're really not because it only comes through Jesus. But the reason that you're not spiritually alive is because it goes all the way back to something we call original sin, which happened in the in Genesis chapter three, and I just want to quickly mm-hmm. just I'm going to yeah. bullet point through that because we don't have time to read it all. But in Genesis chapter three, it's the first book of the Bible, the third chapter of the first book. In verse one, Satan causes Eve to question God's word to her and Adam. In verses four and five, Satan deceives Eve by lying to her. In verse six, Eve takes the fruit and gives it to her husband Adam, who happened to be with her, right with her at the same time. In verse 7, they realize that they've done wrong, and they attempt to cover up their sin by using fig leaves to cover over their their naked bodies. In verse 8, God finds them and questions them about it. In verses 12 and 13, Adam blames Eve, Eve blames the Satan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then verses 14 through 19, God pronounces three curses, one on Satan, one on woman, and one on man. The last curse is the curse that cuts off all of future mankind from the face, uh, from face-to-face, unhindered relationship with God. And this was a spiritual as well as a physical separation from God that both that Adam and Eve would then experience. And every mankind after that, born after that, would be uh, would inherit that sin nature, which would be basically a severed from the life of God. Uh, sinful nature that they would have in them. So they have a spirit in them, but it's not alive. 
They have a soul, a mind to think. They have a body, a physical body to procreate and be fruitful and work the ground and do everything that God wanted them to do. But their spirit was was separated at that moment. And, and it was inherited into every person after that. And this is what we call original sin. And the reason I, I wanted to bring this up is because you said one side of it is that we were talking about was this new age Gnostic idea, but then there's a whole other side, which is a more religious system of works yeah. to gain salvation. And uh, you were you brought it up, uh, so if you want to read. Yeah, sure. And uh, this is, um, I kind of say when you were joking about the old new age. Yeah. Um, w- in the garden, in the, if anyone, when, when, when you said uh, by lying to her, this is the, the story that you may have been, listener may have been told of eating the fruit. Mm-hmm. And I kind of equate just to kind of sum up everything, which just proves uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Satan's using the same tactics that he did literally in the garden. And I kind of see it as two different parts of the same tactic that he used. One of them, like you said, is what I think we both agree on, is what turned into Gnosticism and mm-hmm. the New Age and Eastern. The other religions came from this. Yeah. Hinduism, Taoism, you know, they have aspects of this works-based uh, in the sense of it's all of ourselves. We can achieve a higher level of knowledge. It's all through knowledge and it's, you know, anything, a lot of anything whenever you hear knowledge of this said like that, it's, it's probably new agey stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not, we're not saying you should not have knowledge of Jesus. You should read the Bible. You should learn all that stuff. That is not the kind of knowledge we're talking about. But that's com that's knowledge. that's free. This right. Is, they, they have secret knowledge. Right. Exactly. What, yeah. And the other aspect of what Satan does. So he is, he uses wordplay and it's a it, what it is is lo, the law, mm-hmm. and so he has this aspect of oh you should eat the fruit, and she's like well no God told me I I could she, Eve says an incorrect statement or one that is not a hundred percent true, yep, and Satan uses that, and he lawyers it <laughs> so to speak yeah he's like well this isn't really quite true. I'm going to word it in a different did, did way. God did really, really say, say that? Yeah. And um, so he uses what amounts to the law of uh, the technicality. I'm going to phrase it in this other way. And he tricks her. So there's the, the knowledge and the law. Mm-hmm. Gnosis. Um, and those are the two things that we've seen in every kind of heresy that is or yeah. evil religion. It'll split on at some point. It'll follow one of those two paths. Yeah, and it's going to come from <laughs> one of those two paths. Right. And so this also ties into, I think, what Nicodemus has in mind when he also, he says it in the joking thing, oh, I'm just supposed to hop up inside my mom again? Like, what are you talking about? Right. And this is because the Jews, uh, the Judaism of his time, they do sort of have a version or an idea of being born again. But um, I'm just going to read uh, a little portion of this. It's it's, it's different. So it says, uh, talking about John Wesley, and he has a sermon called A New Birth. And 
said Wesley argued that a person comes into the world spiritually dead, which he just talked about, mm-hmm. filled only with selfish drives and animalistic appetites. The only way to un overcome the imperfection of our physical birth is to have a spiritual rebirth, which involves not only the ritual of baptism, but also the transformation of one's orientation to life, how they go about doing things. So it says, uh, we're going to transform the love of the world to a love of God, God, pride into humility, you know, passion into meekness. And these are some very Christianese things, but you're, you're switching when someone is spiritually reborn, the spirit is going to, the Holy Spirit yeah. is going to change. He redirects their passions. Redirects your passions the way you go yeah. throughout life. Yeah. Anyway, it says, and Jews disagree, and rightfully so, with the premise of this argument. We do not believe that human beings are born sinful, and therefore we ought not need to undergo a spiritual rebirth to escape the wickedness of our physical birth. The Jewish tradition teaches that there is nothing inherently wrong with our nature, so we do not need radical transformations. And the reason for that, that's why you see all throughout the Bible, is uh, the Jewish people believe that because they were uh, of their... Set apart. They're set apart as yep. a people. God's people. His chosen people. Yep. Right. That they are saved and they do not need Christ. Yeah. And there is a difference between... The, old, the Jews of the Old Testament, they didn't have Jesus. They didn't have – they couldn't have been saved. Messiah hadn't come yet. Messiah hadn't come. So they, they were waiting for the fulfillment. Right. So there's a difference now that Jesus is on the scene. Right. And that's why you have Nicodemus like not even being able to comprehend because it's such a radical thing that Jesus is preaching. Right. Or telling him. It's not even a preaching. But that is a very lawful thing as well is – well. W- well, first of all, they disregard original sin. So right. here you go. Here's a a heresy. We would say if you hear someone that's saying that we're a Christian or they're a Christian and they don't believe in original sin, and therefore there's implications for all these little things Correct. that people believe. Because as you, as you just said, if you don't have original sin, then there's no need for a Savior. Therefore, we don't need to have... Jesus. Jesus. We can do it ourselves somehow. We can do it ourselves, and therefore right. we believe that we'll be saved, and that then you end up in hell. You're not in, right. You're not with God. You're not born well, again. Well, you're not born again. That's exactly yeah. it. You're not born <clears throat> again. And so there's no way to be born again through your own effort. This is the most right. important thing to understand. You can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't hold the Ten Commandments and do every all of the commands because if you break one of them, you're guilty of breaking all of them. And so, and there is no human effort capable to satisfy the requirement of God in holiness uh, in any way when it comes to pleasing God in any way, but even to be born again. Have you ever met a baby that forced itself to be born? Like, mm-hmm. did it force its parents to get pregnant? Did it for like, no, that's all an act of God. It's totally a, it's a working of God. And so my point is this, is that you can't take a different route to enter the kingdom of heaven other than through the route of Christ. That's the one that God's provided. He's the doorway into the kingdom of heaven. He, In fact, he says in another place, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father except through me, through the Son. And so um, we have to understand that the way of spiritual birth comes through 
Jesus. And I just want to say it's just so funny that like people that can, that is an offensive thing to many people. They say, yeah, it is to say that there is only one way to be saved. It's through Jesus Christ, accepting, giving your life over and believing and being born again. Right. And what's so funny is, you know, oh, that's not fair. You know, people can come up with stupid arguments. They're just dumb. But it, it it's what God chose. And, you know, if I want to go to your house and you give me the address or you give me directions, well, you know, nowadays I don't need directions. Right. I just put it in my phone if I don't know where it is. And I want to get to your house and you give me the directions and I am just like, oh, I don't like the, you have three eights in your address and I don't like the number eight. So I'm just going to go to a different building. I'm going to put in a different address. I like the number four. So if your address is 488819, I'm just going to put in my GPS 4444419 because that's nicer to me. Right. And then all of a sudden, I end up at some other place or it doesn't even exist. You, you won't make it to my house. I'm not going to make it to your house. I'm going right. to get mad at you. And then like, well, well, why didn't you tell me how to get to your house? Yeah. And you're like, just. I gave you the address. I gave you the address. <laughs> right. So that's what it is, is. And it's not hidden. Well, here's my thing on yeah. that whole thing is that when people complain about Jesus being the only way and it's so narrow of God, why doesn't he have many routes? And uh, he gave us. He, he gave us one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we were left without anything. Right. And he gave us one. Like, be thankful we have one. Right. right? <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be really up the creek. Yeah. You know, at least he gave us Jesus. Exactly. And it's even better because it gets better. Yeah. But now let's go back to the story. Yeah. So he's having a conversation with a Pharisee, and I'm glad that we talked about what the Jewish people believed because they do believe in, and at this point, they were trusting in their good deeds, their good works to earn them righteousness with God's so that they could have favor with God and hopefully he would lead them into heaven. They never had complete assurance, though, of their salvation into the kingdom of heaven. And here's what's really interesting, is God was so merciful when he came through Jesus at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus because he extended the kingdom to the Jewish people first. He said, he said you know, everything in the Old Testament was pointing towards Jesus coming, and everything in the Gospels is the real, the revelation of Jesus, that he's being revealed. And everything after the Gospels is how to live for Jesus. So if you right. want to break down the Bible into three sections, that's a perfect way to do it. And in the Old Testament, they all knew that God had promised that he was going to rescue mankind and bring Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's extending the kingdom to them, and they rejected him. In fact, in John chapter 5, you can see there's a whole thing there. He does, he does a healing on the Sabbath, and, um, and, and he gets ridiculed for that. And you begin to see that Jesus begins to, to turn his attention away from the Jewish people and towards the Gentiles. He opens it up to the Gentiles. He makes a couple statements. He ministers to a couple people that are not Jewish. And um, what is happening is because of the reason that they rejected the kingdom of God from Jesus, the Jewish people did, he turned it towards the Gentiles. And now you and I have the opportunity to be saved because they rejected it. And so because they rejected it, it opens it up to the rest of the world. And Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. And now there's what we call the church age, where until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, uh, which is all of us you know, non-Jewish people are have the opportunity to make the decision to be born again and accept the free gift of salvation that God offers for everyone. 
And so that spiritual birth that's being offered to Nicodemus, he has to, Jesus has to break through his mindset of, I can do this through my good works. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that if they can just have their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, when they get to heaven, God will let them in. And there is no ledger like that. There is no ledger like that for people. That's not how it works. It's either Jesus or not. <laughs> right, yeah. And so I'm going to show how this happens in verses, and still in John chapter 3. So in verses 9 through 18, Jesus begins with a statement, and he says in verse 11, he says, I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we see, what we have seen, but you still, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. Let me reread that because I fumbled it a little. <laughs> I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. The you people that Jesus was speaking of was the Jews, was the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the the, the Jewish council, you know, the ruling councils, the the elders, and so this is who he was speaking to. He's saying. Look, we speak of what we know. So they're sharing, hey, the Messiah is here, the Messiah is here. He was saying plainly, I am the Son of God. And he says, and we testify to what we've seen. And so in other words, I'm doing these miracles. You've seen me cast demons out. You've seen me heal the sick. You've seen me raise the dead. He says, but you still don't accept our testimony. In fact, in John 5, I think it's it's the point where Jesus actually cast demons out and they blame him to be Satan driving demons out. Right. And he says, a house divided cannot stand. He says, how can I drive, how can Beelzebub drive out, drive out Beelzebub? You know, and he, he basically goes into this thing. And that's when the rejection, the full rejection mm-hmm. of Jesus um, was from them happened. And then Jesus wants to get deeper into uh, Nicodemus's mind a little bit and his sort of, what I would say, his worldview and his, his like, um, his construction. Mm-hmm. Because he, he's going to go into the Old Testament, and he's going to go to the source of the law himself, Moses. And so he says in verses 14 and 15 of John chapter 3, he says, Just as Moses lifted up a snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And so Jesus relates himself to a story in the Old Testament involving Moses and the people as they were in the desert. And this comes out of Numbers chapter 21. So the book of Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. <clears throat> and I'll just give you a, a brief idea of what's happening here. It says, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route of the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way, and they spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread and there is no water, and and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and when anyone was bitten by a snake, they looked at the bronze snake and they lived. So that's the story 
that Jesus is relating to Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus would understand this story because he's a Jew. He trusts in the, the system of the law, the Torah, for his righteousness and his salvation. And Jesus is trying to show him that I'm going to dismantle this from you so that you see me in that moment. And so what are these things? Jesus is not saying he's a snake, first of all. So right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some, some, I'll clarify some of these things for you. So this, in the story, though, the snake was killing um, all these people. So they started to grumble and they started to complain. And so God sends in these venomous vipers to bite them and they begin to die. And because of their grumbling and complaining, God was unhappy and he sent them in as a judgment. It came in as a judgment. And so uh, then God tells, you know, they go to Moses in this sort of repentant heart and attitude, and they say, hey, please pray for us that God will send these snakes away because we're, di- we're dying here. <laughs> we're dying. <laughs> and uh, I should say, too, they were complaining about the their, no bread and water, but God was feeding them with like quail and manna. <laughs> right. They were getting this like manna, which is like this bread from heaven. It's a it sounds amazing when you read the description of it. Like, I wish we could make it today. Be the best grilled cheese sandwich ever. Oh, can you imagine? Out of manna? <laughs> be yeah. a man of manna and cheese sandwich. <laughs> but uh, they and they were given quail. Mm-hmm. And and what was amazing is they were instructed only take enough for what you need for today. Take enough for today. If and then you know on because of the Sabbath, of course, they would take a little bit more for Saturday. So on Friday, they'd gather enough so they could get through Saturday. And then God would send them back in, the quail back in. They would just catch them and then clean them and eat them. And they were complaining about all of this stuff. And so God gets frustrated. He's like, I'm providing all of your needs. I'm taking care of you. I'm bringing you from slavery for 400 years in Egypt. I'm, I miraculously split the Red Sea. We're, I'm, I'm taking you to your promised land where I'm going to give you a place of your own that I told I would give to your father Abraham. I'm fulfilling my promise. And you're complaining. And so he sends in these snakes. They start killing people. They're biting them. They're dying. They go to Moses. They repent. They say, please pray for us. And so God tells Moses to make a snake out of bronze and put it on a pole. And if you're on an Instagram page, go look at Christianity 101 Instagram page, episode one. I actually have an artist rendition of what this might have looked like. And so they hold it up. and He holds it up. And anyone who's bit will look at it and they'll be saved. The venom will not kill them. And so Jesus is giving a parallel of his own very life with this whole situation. So let me help explain it, because you're probably like, how does this fit with Jesus? I don't get this, because I didn't get it for a long time. So the snake is the very thing that's killing them. And we know that the very thing that's killing us is our sin. If you are not born again, you're dead in your sins. And so that's going to take your life eternally. You will not live, you will You will. You will not live eternally in life. You will live separated from God in, because of your sins. Jesus is going to give his life, and he's going to take our sins upon himself, the very thing that's killing us. He's going to take, his, take our sins and put them on himself. And as Moses lifted up this bronze staff with this bronze snake on it in the desert for all to see, Jesus is going to be lifted up on a cross displayed for the whole world to see. That's what's going to happen. Incidentally, the bronze that was used to make the snake, bronze is in the Old Testament is representative of sin mm-hmm. and judgment. It's representative of judgment and sin. And so he makes a bronze snake, and he says, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, 
I am the bronze snake in the desert. I am the one who is taking the, the thing that's killing you upon myself and being judged for it so that you can live. That's what he's saying. Yeah. And, he, and so all who look to the snake that Moses held up, they were healed and they were saved. All who look to Jesus who God held up on the cross will be healed and be saved. And so he's giving yeah. us this like incredible parallel, mm-hmm. which I love. And it's just, to me, it's amazing. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And it says that Jesus became sin for us so that we could be, it's this great exchange. That great exchange, when you trust in the route that God's given us, that Jesus, the address of salvation, you know, the eights with all the eights in it, right? When you trust in that, you will be born again because you are trusting in what God has provided for salvation, and that's a spiritual work that happens that only God can do. So when you receive it and you trust in Jesus, you are spiritually made alive. It's that simple. And it's nothing you can do on your own. It's as simple as believing, which is hard for some people. But Mm -hmm. the cool thing is, is that God was working towards this all through the Old Testament, and he, he brings it to fulfillment in the New Testament. And we just get to believe on what already happened. Can you imagine Nicodemus who hasn't seen Jesus die yet? Right. So this might this might explain why Jesus shows up at the crucifixion mm-hmm. to collect the body of Jesus. You know, he tells him this thing, I'm going to be like that snake in the desert that was raised up. Incidentally, yeah. what's really cool is um, the medical emblem that we have yeah. with the snake around the, that comes from this scene in Numbers, you know, the, the healing you know, right? <laughs> and uh, I wonder if anybody knows if those doctors know that. You know, all the evil doctors, right? Now. <laughs> all the evil doctors. Yeah. All right. So that so the first point that we wanted to make was that um, that you you are born of water and spirit. You're born naturally. You must be born supernaturally. The route to being born supernaturally comes through Jesus. So spiritual birth comes through Jesus. And then lastly, um, this is the part where after now you're born again. This is the part where your, you know, the Gnostic belief isn't going to get you, mm-hmm. and where the works of your own effort aren't going to get you there. Uh, and it's that we walk in the light rather than darkness, because Jesus goes on with this conversation with Nicodemus, and this is what he says in verses 19 through 21. I'll just read it. Jesus says, "This is the verdict: Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil." Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be, it may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done through God. So I like to call this the life in contrast. Um, for me, when before I met Jesus, um, I was my girlfriend was pregnant. I was engaged in all kinds of premarital sex and escapades sexually. I was a drug dealer. <laughs> I was rebellious to my parents. I was a liar. I stole. I was just this person that was 
completely engrossed in all of the vices of the world. I was drinking drugs, sex, everything that I, if, if you would have given me enough money, I probably would have gambled too, you know, like. And I, you played guitar, so rock and roll. <laughs> I didn't play guitar yet. Oh, oh but, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, I didn't play guitar until afterwards okay, for okay. the glory of God. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so, but after I met Jesus, I still remember the, the, the night I met Jesus, um, was a, it was a spiritual thing. It was like my and if you if you listen to our warcast, I give my testimony. But um, for those that don't know it, basically, um, I went to a house. They it was a bunch of Christians. I didn't know it. I was tricked. My girlfriend was supposed to be there. She wasn't there. She didn't show up. And then I was there by myself. And uh, they ended up praying for me. And when they prayed for me, um, they laid hands on me. And when they laid hands on me, um, God just had mercy on me, and His Holy Spirit was revealed to me. And I started to weep and. I felt a million pounds lift off of my chest, and I saw a light, similar to Acts chapter 9 with the Apostle Paul, a light shone down and blinded him. I Thankfully, God didn't blind me. But um, what did happen was the next day, I was different. And I remember I would go to work every morning and smoke a joint, and I remember I just had no, absolutely no desire, none whatsoever. It, like he removed out of me every single inkling to do that. And I knew it would, wouldn't please him anyways. So there was a life in contrast already starting within that moment. And then it was like a week later when I read John 3, 3, and I realized I need to be born again. I, you know, I, I think I already was. Yeah. I think I was just in the incubator. Yeah. They're like, okay, he's been born. Let's get him strengthened up a little bit. He needs a little bit more light on him, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the, he, he talks about light and darkness. So what is that? We understand that as good and evil. Uh, and he even says that. He says they were afraid to come into light because their deeds are evil, right? They won't come into the light. Uh, we talk about um, truth is the way to live in the light. So if you want to live in the light of God's love, you must keep yourself in the truth. You must un, you know, must seek the truth. And the truth comes through God's word. And then lastly, I just want to say that God does miraculous works in our lives when we live in the truth and or if we live in the truth. And my life is the perfect testimony of that. And I'm sure you have testimonies in your own life. And other Christians from eons before us have testimonies of God doing amazing things in their life that they could never do on their own. Mm-hmm. They could, I could never deliver myself from drugs. I just couldn't. I would not. I'm not strong yeah. enough. But God, God helped me and did it for me. And uh, it doesn't mean it will happen for everyone that way. And what God chooses is unique for that person. Yeah, I was going to say he delivered me, but he used uh, a fellowship. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so it's... It, and it took a little longer than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's a good reason for it. I mean, there's a good reason for it. And uh, I just wanted to also... Uh, I love how... Uh, I mean, Jesus is also saying in these verses that you said, he is the light, mm-hmm. and he came into sin like he he exposed all of it you know what i mean like we're all living in darkness until him and that's kind of equating it to you know what we were talking about waking up and all of a sudden your eyes you can see Mm -hmm. all these things that you know in the darkness like if we were to turn off the lights in this room right now nothing unless some like invisible demon starts moving stuff around (laughs) Or something pops out of existence. Don't or count whatever. it out, though. You know what I mean? Like, 
if we turn off the lights in this room, everything's still going to be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just won't be able to know exactly where it is or see it. And that's kind of how it is, is that's kind of what I meant by you're not necessarily seeing things that aren't there. You just can't perceive them. And all of a sudden it's so much more full of yeah. life. Like, Oh, there's that, all that stuff. And, uh, I also just like the, this is something I was thinking of the, it, you had alluded to, do you have anything, any point that he came, Nicodemus came during the darkness and Jesus uh, was the light. That's you know? great. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but that's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, great point. <laughs> I, w- I was wondering, if, yeah, I was wondering if there's anything, some sort of parallel there where like, you know, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was impossible for him to get there in the I don't daytime know. or, you know I, what I mean? I think he didn't want to be there in the daytime. Right. I think, yeah. I think he did on purpose, you know, um, so that he wouldn't be seen or recognized yeah. as he was going to meet him. Because people knew, yeah, you know. But isn't it interesting that Jesus would use that, like that right, reference? Yeah, I kind of picture him <laughs> like almost beating him over the head with that still, because he's saying, <laughs> "You love the darkness." Like he's calling him out. Like, why don't you come meet me in real? You know, like <laughs> cash me outside. Yeah, like, <laughs> cash, <laughs> during the day. Um, and it's, you know, I, I I also like that you had brought up that Nicodemus was kind of throwing in that like sarcastic remark and Jesus while almost like beating him over the head as well, like calling him like, Oh, you know, like tit for tat, baby. Yeah. Tit for tat, but yeah. also just making so much. I mean, cause this, there's so much to these verses right here that you can get out of that we won't yeah. go into, but I just love how, uh, he puts the final like <laughs> thing just with even the way that he came to him. Yeah. Yeah. And and we do know the end story is that Nicodemus becomes a follower of Christ, so he's born again, and yeah. and so. But I, you know, so I think this we want to start on the right foot, and we have to start in the right place. And if, and uh, there's no point in going into doctrines of Christianity if you're not even born again. And so I I want to just you know challenge the person listening that am I born again? Do I understand what these verses are saying? Get out your Bible, read John chapter three, read through those verses. Look at them a little deeper. Pray, and then ask God. And if you know, ask God for, to reveal the truth to you. And if you trust in the work of the Lord on the cross, if you trust that Jesus did live a sinless life, died a guiltless punishment, and then rose again from the dead three days later, you are you can be born again. You that's trusting the work of the cross. That's trusting, and that is bringing you into salvation into spiritual birth and then once you're born again all these amazing this whole amazing world is brought into you that you see the kingdom you enter the kingdom and god's kingdom becomes it starts off within you that's what we're told is the kingdom of god is within you so it starts off inside you and god begins to um, govern your life from your heart and your convictions and and well that's sort of this walking in light rather than darkness um that's the beginning of that happening yeah, and I just kind of throw an additional point in there is if you believe Turner just gave you the gospel, and so when he you know kind of asks that question of if you believe all these things that you accept and you ask Jesus and 
pray and yeah. um, read the Bible and ask God to reveal what that means to you and accepting that. And I mean, to be born again is as easy as saying, yes, God, you know, Jesus, I believe that you came into the world that I'm in. Let's start it up. I'm in need of a savior because I'm sin spiritually dead. I'm spiritually dead. Right. Yeah. I believe that you came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, took the punishment for me, and you rose again from the dead, defeating sin once and for all. If all you have to say, if you believe that, that's how you become born again. That, that there's no there's no secret doctrines to right. it. That's as easy. The as prayer it is. is simple. <laughs> yeah. Forgive me. I believe in you. <laughs> exactly. And I, I just also wanted to stress to anyone who is hearing this for the first time, this present presentation of the gospel. Um, I think we've given it a couple different times throughout this episode. Much in like how your story, since you said it, is, you know, the next day after you were probably born again, born yeah. again for the first time and you didn't want to smoke the weed. The walking in the darkness. I just want to kind of wrap this up by... Anyone who is hearing this and just gave their life to God, the rest will come. <laughs> That's right. You know, you don't, maybe you will have a miraculous, um, uh, not expulsion of some sin in your life or uh, miraculous healing or whatever is keeping you as a barrier between finding God. You know, he can handle all that stuff. It may not be a miraculous thing that you experience, right? That you experience, like, you know, freedom from alcohol immediately or anything like that. But when you have the Holy Spirit in you, the rest, you know, will come. You don't have to. That's right. Basically, I, I'm just saying, like, you read John and you're like, okay, I believe in the beginning of this. And then all of a sudden, the evil, oh, it, you know, what does this mean now? Is this evil? Is that evil? Do I do this? Do I not do that? Do I. How do I rearrange my life around that? Yeah. I'm just trying to give like some peace that that will come. Yes. Quickly. <laughs> it may come quicker than you may imagine, but yeah. it uh, will make sense. Right. Because you have, you now have like what you said, the, the Holy Spirit is inside us and it says that's right. the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within us. And so the conviction God will work out the rest of that after you have been born again. That's right. And and that's the only and that's what that will be a testimony of your salvation. Right. That you will have um things that in your mind and heart that you were not there before. Right. That's proof. And there will be things there that or there, there will not You'll, be th- things right. that used to be there that are no longer right. there. That's right. I, I love there's a Switchfoot song I used to love Switchfoot, but there's a line in one of their songs that says the shadow proves the sunshine. Mhm. It's like uh, the things that maybe yeah. you start to see in your life that for the first time you feel like they shouldn't be there. That's the shadow, and it yeah. just proves that there's a sunshine, there's a light shining. Yeah. Can I read a verse as we close? Please, please. So I was just reminded of this when you were given the gospel, and it's this is how simple it is, people. This is how simple God has made it for us. Romans chapter 10, this is what it says. In verse 9, it says, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. 
There you go. Amen. <laughs> it's the most, it's the confess with your tongue, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. Well, this brings our first episode to a close. I want to ask anyone who's listened to this and has questions or comments to please use our Instagram account to reach out to us, either private message or leave a comment under the episode. I'll see all of them, and uh, we will do our best to answer questions and to help push you in the right direction so that you can feel confident and uh, grow deeper in your faith. And as we said on our episode of All Out War a few weeks ago, we're not your church, but we are your friends, and we love you. So... We will catch you on the next episode of Christianity 101. Love you.